We are still in the heat of summer, but Soccer Neophytes is back for season six, and we're here with the promoted team's preview. Gentlemen, it's so good to see your faces. I have hey missed boys. you so much, both of you. Oh, it is so good to see you. I think I like that we I like that we call this the promoted team preview and not the relegated, soon to be relegated team preview, which we well, well we'll last get year. Well, that's the fair, thing. Last to be fair, last year was the first time in a while, remember, none of the yeah. teams were were relegated. So I don't yeah, sure. I don't feel like it's gonna be the same for this this crop, but we would have said uh, this yeah. last but year. But you so. guys had low hopes for last year's teams. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Once yeah. again, what were last year's teams again? It was Fulham, Boris, and Bournemouth. Yeah. Dude, how how good are we that we all three named the other teams? We didn't overlap there. That was mm. a good work. That good, is good job, guys. Work. That's good work. We're yeah, already in season form in this preseason <laughs> episode. I think what's it's, happening is I think we also established who our favorite version or maybe the team that's front of mind because I think Fulham's going to be good this year. And well, I I don't think Bournemouth's going to be good this year. So, I'm but not, you I'm also not. hate them, so maybe that's why they're front <laughs> of mind. I don't hate them; they're just boring. I think Bournemouth's going to be bad again, but that's we'll save that for next for next. That's week. next week, right? Right. right. That's but that's week. the thing, though. That's the thing. These three teams on paper, all three of them look like shit, but. As the old saying goes, if a bear is chasing you, you don't have to be faster than the bear. You just have to be faster than your friend. That's right. So there are three teams you just have to beat, and that's it. You don't have to be the not worst. You just have to be – yeah, you just have to – One of these teams is clearly my, like, Wolves pick, but we'll save that for next week. I do think there's one of these teams that will stay up, but we'll save that for next week. I honestly have no idea who you might be talking about, so I'm excited to hear this. Well, you wait for. Uh, I'm pretty sure I know. Yeah, I think <laughs> those two. Actually, I think it rhymes with Bunderland, but whatever. Go ahead. Sunderland <laughs> isn't in here, though. I'm sorry. Whoops, wrong one. <laughs> All right, let's keep going. We started off so strong, Andrew. I meant hey. I meant Sheffield. Sorry. That's okay. That's okay. All right, uh, we are going to let Chris go first. Chris has to bounce out. Uh. Um, and Chris, yeah, why don't you take us away? You have Burnley. I've got Burnley, and if I'm picking a team that I think you're gonna think is gonna stay up, I think this is probably the team that has the best opportunity to stay up. Um, but here's the background on Burnley, and I'm gonna give a shout out to our uh podcast friend Natalie. Um, I will not be able to do this as good of justice as I know you can. Um, but thank you for being on the podcast five years ago and putting yourself on our hearts. We kind of have a soft spot for Burnley because of how good you were on the podcast. So that being said, here is what you need to know about Burnley. They were founded in 1882. They are one of the oldest teams in the entire league. They um, joined, they, I'm trying to think of the best way to say this. Um, They helped create the EFL essentially. So um, back in the 1880s, you weren't allowed to pay your players as professional players. It was like, I don't know how you would describe it, but essentially 
they were part of the team that pushed the EFL to allow teams to start paying players back in the 1880s. So um, they were part of the founding 12 members of the EFL and they were a founding team. Wolves are also on just, just shouting. Yeah. Just shouting out. There's two of the 12. Now you guys need to figure out the other 10. Um, But they also helped create the FA cup in 1888. So they are, as old as you can get when it comes to what we consider Premier League now, if you trace its roots all the way back, um, they are one of the oldest teams in the league. They have been owned by local businessmen for almost their entire history. Up until December 2020, they were bought out by ALK Capital, who bought 84% of the team. And um, I think for Burnley fans, that is probably a big turning point in their history or what we think could be their history going forward um, because they now have some funds that have been invested into the team that will hopefully make them better going forward. So um, one of the other things, ALK Capital, it does a good job of, um, I don't know, I kind of look at them as like a hedge fund almost. So like they are bringing in people left and right, doing these like small investments, but they have these huge names, guys like JJ Watt come to mind, um, who are investing their own personal money to be part of the ownership group of Burnley. So for almost the first time in their history, they're owned by this conglomerate as opposed to, um, oh yeah, there's there's Tim from down the street who owns Burnley. He's owned them in his family for the last 93 years. Um, so they're finally owned by a big conglomerate and that is starting to show, um, especially this past season down in the championship, they were super dominant, dominant and uh, we'll see if they can keep it going. But in their history, they've won Chris, let me just ask, ALK Capital is American-based, right? Like that's it a, is correct. That's an important, I think, fact for our, our listeners to know. Yes, it is not Saudi money like what we're seeing traditionally or <laughs> lately, I guess we should say. This is an American company who bought them out. So um, I think they're one of only a couple of even American owners. Obviously, Chelsea now have American owners, but I don't think that there are maybe – oh. I don't know. Are wolves considered American owned? I know no, they're Chinese. That... Okay. No, no, wolves are Chinese. I don't know. Uh, Khan, the the guy who owns. Full- yeah, yeah, he owns the, the Jaguars. I mean, not. I, I don't mean, think he's from birth. Yeah. So Shahid Khan is his name. That's right. Um. So anyways, Burnley has won the league title twice in their history, 1921 and 1960. They also have won one FA Cup. That was all the way back in 1914. Um, Like I said, they were pretty dominant this past season down the championship. They won the league by 10 points, which is a huge margin. I think the margin was even bigger. Once they clinched, they kind of shut down a little bit. Um, But they had a dominant season, and they actually play a really – fun system um, to watch right now. So especially last year down the championship, they were scoring goals left and right. It was a ton of fun to watch if you watch from the outside, which was very different than the Burnley we knew when we first started this Nate five years ago, where they were a park the bus team, try and win one nil, maybe get a draw at one, one. Um, and it was really boring, very hard football to watch under Sunny Dyke. Um, but now they have um, Vincent Company, who is their new manager. He, he took over last year, 
and he's implemented such an awesome system, which we'll get to him in a second. Um, the last little note I had in here, which was funny because I was looking at their kits and I was like, dude, these are Aston Villa's kits. Well, in 1910, the team owner actually changed the colors of the team from green to Claret and blue in honor of Aston Villa, who were in the world champions in 1910. So in honor of Aston Villa, uh, Burnley changed their team colors, their kit designs to mirror Aston Villa, which just cracks me up because, I mean, not knowing the history, it's like, well, Aston Villa is just kind of an okay squad in the Premier League now, but I guess you do what you got to do in 1910, right? So, um as far as their team goes, key players to watch, it was really hard to figure out. I'm not going to lie. I'm not pretending to be the biggest Burnley fan. Um, I looked at their stats. Their top goal scorer from last season was on loan, and he is actually not on the team anymore. So Nathan Tella, who was last year's leading goal scorer at 17 goals in the league, uh, he's in Southampton, I believe. He was on loan. He so was he on got returned. Yes. Oh, I didn't know that. That's brutal. Yes. Yeah. So, so he actually went back to, I, I again, I'm, I believe it is Southampton. It is so Southampton. Yeah. So he's about to spend another season in the championship. Hopefully he can win it again, but he was on loan for Southampton. He led the, the team in scoring that year, last year. So uh, Jack Cork, I don't know a ton about him. I do know that he got 12 yellow cards, which is one of the highest in the championship. So I noted him down. And then their big transfer that they got, which they basically relate it to, we're allowed to let Nathan Tella leave because we got Nathan Redmond coming in from Besiktas. And all, all Nathans are basically the same. All Nathans are the same. They just score goals. That's all they do. So um, I don't know a ton of the rest of the team. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to pretend like I do. I'm looking forward to hopefully getting to know some names as we go forward with this club in this season. Um, but I think their biggest weapon is their manager. And that's Vincent Company. Um, he played for Man City. Or, yeah, he played for Man City. He was a center back for them for – 12 years um, from 08 to 2019. He won the league four times while he was at Man City. He was the EPL player of the season in 2011, and he was elected to the Premier League Hall of Fame just this season or last season in 2022. So um, he has credentials as a star player, a very, very good player, a guy who was pretty dominant in the backfield. Um, and he played under Pep Guardiola, who he has adopted their system and their style and their attack, which is what made Burnley so fun to watch this past season in the championship. They were literally the complete opposite of the Burnley we saw get relegated and sent packing down to the championship. So I'm super interested to see how they respond this season, how they um, come out. Can they play that style of play in the Premier League against better talent? Um, obviously, they're going to try and, and play their system. That's what they do. That's what teams should do. And uh, we'll see how it goes. So I'm pretty excited. But if you're breaking Burnley down, I think Vincent Company is the biggest um, factor that they have that can help propel them and keep them going forward. Uh, if you talk to a lot of Man City fans, which I haven't, um, they'll tell you that um, they were hoping Vincent Company would come to Man City as an assistant coach under Pep and then take over Man City when Pep moves on, which rumors are that it could be in the next few years. So 
Um, he's a hot name and obviously anything can happen over the next couple of seasons, but he's a great manager so far. And he did just miracle work after the last season championship. As far as they're playing, um, Turf Moor is that it, it's one of the oldest stadiums in the uh, entire football world. Um, it's it opened in 1843 as it hosted the Burnley Cricket Club. And um, in 1888, Turf Moor owners invited Burnley uh, Football Club to play there. And so starting in 1888, they started playing at Turf Moor and they built a soccer pitch that was adjacent to the cricket pitch. And both clubs still play there to this day. So tons of history there. They've built onto it and added onto it. I want to say um, it holds about 50,000 now. Um, but back in the day, it held about 40. So um, they've got four different stands there, an old history club that's been added on to over the years. Um, it's actually but- only, only 21,944. So I I read that. I've read numbers from a couple of different places. And so I wasn't sure which one to believe. But I think in like 1940s, they expanded. Because they said they hosted a game that held over fifty thousand. Yeah, I think the the actual capacity is is twenty one nine for today. Okay. Like that's that's what it can hold. I think back in those older days, there was like standing room where you could kind of line up around some of the pitch, and there just weren't the same like safety standards. And so you'll see that for a lot of these clubs that they're they're record capacity is some outrageous number beyond what their actual capacity is now because they've yeah. had, like put real seats in and stuff. Okay. Yeah. I like, I had read that number almost 22,000. Um, but then I got confused as a, they were hosting 50,000 people there. I, that's pretty crazy to, to think of. So, um, so yeah, a pretty uh, sacred hollow ground, if you will, based on the age, maybe not so much on the winning that they've done there or losing that they've done there over the years. Um, and then lastly, that brings us to their kit. Um, it's produced by Umbro. So um, Umbro tends to make kits that I actually like. So that's pretty cool. Um, W88 is their sponsor for this season. Um, they are called the Clarets because back in 1910, when they switched their team colors in honor of Aston Villa, um, the red is claret. It is not red. It's not maroon. It's claret. And so uh, the team colors are claret and a baby blue, but they don't define it as baby blue. They just say it's blue. So the home kits are a claret and blue top. The away kits are a, a, a an interesting yellow, and then it looks like a tire drove over the side of it with a little bit of blood on it so it has like this black and red tire shoot that goes down it it's not a horrible look um i don't mind it it's not the best look i've ever seen and um my my notes were they look just like aston villas when they wear their home kits um and that was before i found out that they're supposed to look like aston villa that was the goal that they were going for when when they designed their their kits and their colors so um, but that is Burnley in a nutshell. And again, shout out to Natalie Bromley, who I know I did not do the justice that you would have done. Great job, Chris. Yes, I'm I'm excited to see this team. Uh, there'll be a different Burnley in theory, sure. at least, than what we 
uh, saw back in the early days of this podcast. So, yeah, for sure. And it was a team I almost ended up picking too. So they just based on Natalie and her knowledge and her love for the team, like it almost drove me to, to pick them. So good to see them back. Hopefully they have a good season. Yep. Andrew, any questions for, for Chris about the old Clarence? No, it's just that I'm trying not to talk about how awful their kits are until next week. And that's <laughs> yes. all I got. Yeah, save it for next weekend. Yeah. All right. Well, up next is Luton Town. Andrew, uh, give it to us. Um, yeah. It's okay. I'd like some perspective. Remember how last year was my first year and I skipped this session? Yeah. Um, what were your thoughts? Uh, obviously, we talked about we didn't think they were going to be uh, the three teams that managed to stay up, all three of them. Were were they this low compared to this year with these guys? Did we like compare the three last year versus the three this year currently? Yeah, I would say um, last year I would put Bournemouth in the Luton Town category. I would put Forest probably in the Burnley category. Forest was in such a weird place because they signed so many players. It was. It was like it was crazy. So none, n- Luton, Burnley, and Sheffield haven't done neither. None of those teams have done it, and really, most teams don't do what Forest did last year. But I would put like Forest in the same conversation as Burnley, as far as maybe potential excitement goes. And then I guess Fulham in the Sheffield place in that not a lot of expectation from Fulham. I think we thought Fulham would go down again, and they really surprised us in how well they played. So yeah, because um, in all the research I've done for Luton, and keep in mind, I'm going into this not only as an open-minded Luton fan, but yeah. as someone who wants Luton to win. Luton is woof. All right, that's the precursor. All right, this is the Luton Town Hatters. <laughs> um, step on in. Their colors are dark orange, blue, and white. They're um, sponsored by Utilita which is an English electric company. I'm guessing they got a two-year deal from the company thinking they'd stay in the championship league at least for one extra year because they're their, they were their sponsor last year and then their sponsor this year. And I'm like, how the hell did they not get a better sponsor? That's got to be the best guess, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. They play at Kenilworth Road. Um, they're moving to a new stadium in 2026, uh, which – they have been planning for, for the last, I think seven years or so, which means they've been expecting them to get better and better. And that makes sense. They've been climbing the ladder. Uh, the new stadium is going to have 19 five. The current one has like 7,993 or something. And you Amazing. have to walk through, Amazing. you have to walk through CS Lewis's uh, um, wardrobe to get through <laughs> past Mr. Stumps. Wait, what's his name? Oh gosh. What is his name? Oh, I'm blanking. He, he the he, he yeah, he's a satyr, S A T Y R, right? So, anyway, you got to walk past him through a pub. You have to get your dry cleaning done and then you're in the stadium. Um from this is my favorite by the way from 1985 to 1991. 
Luton Town did not allow any visiting fans into their stadium. You had to buy an identity card because hooliganism was so bad. And like some players got hurt, but a lot of fans were getting hurt. They didn't let, if you couldn't like show a tattoo almost, um, yeah, <laughs> they wouldn't let you in. That you were born. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I was born in Luton. And the problem is in English boroughs, that actually isn't that hard to prove. Like uh, my family, my mother was yeah. born here. Her mother was born here. Her mother was born here, etc. All right. Um, their current manager is Rob Edwards. Um, he was, uh, he played for the Wolves. He played not the Wolves. Sorry, Nate. He played for right. Wolves, Nate. He did. I yeah. know I that note for you to, to read off on air. Yeah. And he was, but what's funny is he was previously at Watford. He was. Who was Luton Town's arch nemesis. And what's crazy is I can't believe I recognize the word Watford on first reading. I'm like, oh, damn it. I know who they are. Um, by the way, when I was trying to get in touch, like when I was doing research, and I was like, who should I learn about first when going through the roster? I was like, I wonder who their striker is. I'll go look at who's number nine. Thanks. Uh, knowing is half the battle. Nice. Um, they have won one major trophy ever. They won the EFL in 2008-2009, the EFL for our new neophytes, which sounds redundant, but uh, it's a nomenclature English- Englishization, and I'm fine with it. Um uh, the EFL Wait, trophy. Sorry, go ahead. They won that win. Was it 2008? That's the League Three, League Four trophy. Oh, got it. When they yeah. won. Okay, got okay. A different trophy than what I initially thought yes. as well. Got it. Okay. The EFL trophy is the League Three, League Four. It's open only to League Three, League Four. Got it. So it's gotcha. the Carabao Cup. It's the Carabao Cup for uh, donkeys three, for three League Three and Four for people who sniff paint and go mm, yeah. delicious. Um, that was mean, I think. Um, immediately following that win, or I, I didn't do enough of the research, but in conjunction with that same season, they re- they received a 30-point deduction for financial irregularities, Yikes. which led to another plummet, um, which is always funny. Um, so I wish I could share my screen with the world, but I can't. I want to give some background, people. Luton Town, as much as I want them to win, Luton Town has never been anything. Luton Town is, this is new. They are trash. They have always been trash. And they're currently in your alcoholic, abusive dad who finally went to AA and has been sober for nine months. And you're like, oh, he is, could possibly be a decent person. That's what Luton Town is right now. They have always been okay. Let's do just a post World War II thing, okay? They were in Tier One until 1960, and then they plummeted. They were in Tier One in 1960, Nate. In 1965, they were in Tier Four. Ooh. Yeah, and then somehow they ground their way back to Tier Two. Stayed in Tier Two for a bit. Peaked at Tier One. Back to Tier Two. Had like an eight-year thing in Tier 1, fell to Tier 4, back to Tier 2, down to Tier 5 where they went twice. They are the only team to go to Tier 5 to ever get to Tier 1 successively. Amazing. 
I know. Out going down. Like they've just continued moving up. Since when? When were they in? Since uh, their lowest, their rock bottom for all the alcoholic soccer neophyte fans. And I know there's at least dozens of you. Their lowest point was in 2013. In 2017, they went from tier four. I'm sorry, which is League Two. Is that the official name? Yeah. They went from League Two starting in 2017 to... Premier League tier one in six years, dude. That is yeah. wild. That's a that's amazing. All these so, questions about about Wrexham. Can Wrexham do it? Really, Luton is the the first Wrexham. Luton yes. is OG Wrexham. If Wrexham wants to do it, they got to follow the Luton playbook. And that's my problem. I feel like I've had like a negative sauce about me with Wrexham because I discovered Luton at just the right time, like. I love what they're doing. I absolutely love what they're doing. They're trying to like build into the community. I get it. 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 But I also got that negative like billionaires are bastards thing, you know? Yeah. And um, so the fact that Luton like kind of snuck in under the the Indiana Jones thing that you grab your hat first before it closes, you know? Yeah. The fact that they got in before Wrexham, before Wrexham kind of gathered up all that fame. Again, I wish Wrexham no harm. I love Rob McElhaney. I love Ryan Reynolds, but I also hate really rich people. Um, and the fact that Luton is doing this, I absolutely want them to uh, to win and win and win. My problem is they're not they're not gonna Nate. They're they're um. All of their incoming people, um, their their most tenured player that they brought into the club is marvelous. Whatever, my screen just went blank. I've got a dual thing, and I'm having technical issues, and I'm going to do it from memory. Marvelous, what's his face? Um, he's 29. Um, he's never scored a goal. He's. I think he might have 11 assists. Um, he might be their biggest addition. Um, I'm sorry. They had some some guy named Giles, uh, from, Giles Wolves, from Wolves. Who is yeah. young and has never done anything, but he's got potential. He's got. He potential. had a really good. He had a really good season in the championship last year. Ton of yes. assists. Um, yes. But but uh, yeah, you're right. Nothing. They, at the Premier League they've level. added nothing. They've added. So basically, they're going into it with their championship league, amazing goal scorer. And his top number was 20, which is, again... Carlton Morris. Yes, Carlton Morris. Um, Sorry, again, my screen's down. But Carlton Morris, he scored 20. The next guy scored seven, and it's Lockyer. Yep. Yeah. Um, Good guy. He's a a defensive back, though, right? Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, they had another couple of... They had a bunch of guys who scored three. Evenly evenly spread out from there. Yeah. Scoring 20, it's kind of like when you're a triple-A guy hitting uh, like 290, you're like, like nice, and then you get pulled up to the majors and you're like hitting 210, right? Yeah. If you're in triple-A, you need to be hitting 350 if I expect you to impress me. Yeah. Um, 20 goals is absolutely stunning in the Premier League. In the Championship League, if you want to move up, it's got to be higher, right? If you want to be balls-to-the-wall king champion the in theory yeah yeah so i i really 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 want luton town to win just because 
I love this ascent and I love the little guys, you know, I, you know, it, this is like a Ted Lasso kind of thing. Ha ha ha. But I like these guys and they, I've, I've been watching some interviews and they're all just so thrilled to be here that I'm just, I'm really enjoying it. Um, I do want to say one other thing. Have you looked at their kits? Yeah. What do we think about that orange, Nate? Uh, we'll talk about it next week. I know it's the okay. Um, I guess we don't need much more. Oh, I have a couple more things. Um, their first six matches, four of their first six are on the road because they're getting their uh, current stadium up to up to snuff. But the funny thing is, their first six matches, none of them are too fearsome i mean if in two different ways so let's do it i'm gonna contradict myself here in a second but actually i'm gonna do it real quick so their first match is against brighton right brighton came in sixth last year um in order to be afraid of that one you have to assume brighton's going to continue what they're doing but they did have a great season and they kept getting better and better and better but you know historically brighton isn't horrifying you know what i mean Yep. Their second match, and here's where I contradict myself, is against Chelsea, who sucked out loud last year, but historically they are good. You see how I'm contradicting myself? I think their second one is Burnley. Uh, I can't see my screen, dude. I thought it yeah. was against... Second okay. is Burnley at home, uh, in theory, if they're... Yeah. Oh, no, it's been postponed because they can't play at home yet. That's right. That's right. But no, okay, so I was to, looking at right. one. You're yeah. right. They're supposed to play Burnley, but I forgot that one got postponed. Thank you. I did write that in my notes. Yeah. So Chelsea, who's the exact opposite of Brighton, right? Chelsea's historically awesome, but they sucked out loud last year. Yeah. So I know I'm contradicting myself. So we'll say one out of their first six are even remotely horrifying. And yeah. you can decide if it's Chelsea or Brighton. The or rest Wolves. of them are not. Or if I want to, if, or, or if we want to decide that it's wolves for some reason. Yeah. Yeah. Let's, let's just go out there on a limb and say wolves are going to be the first big challenge of the year for Luton. <laughs> um, but no, I actually threw out there that the first big challenge of the year is actually Tottenham and on August, uh, October 10th um, game seven. Um, I think it's, can you tell me, is that that in Luton or is that in Tottenham? No, it's at home. Yeah. Okay. Good. Okay. So that's going to be fascinating because a it's a home game against you know a, a historically great even though they gotta hate him so much after last year but they're still Tottenham right yeah. so yeah. that's actually for Luton for me as a newborn Luton fan who happens to also be a previous Tottenham fan that's <laughs> actually a game I am really really looking forward to I love it. Yeah, no, okay. I think they have a favorable start. Brighton, yeah. Burnley. Except that four out of six are on the road. Yes. Yeah, that's right. So it's kind of like a mixed bag, right? Then, well, actually, no. It's actually a doubly good bag because at the end of the season, after maybe they've gotten their shit together and they've had that Mighty Ducks moment, all of a sudden they're playing six of maybe the worst teams, four of whom are at home. That's not a bad way to end the season for Luton Town. Oh, wait, no, no, no. They do it 19 and then 19, same order all the way through. Tell me about the schedule. No, the, it's the the schedule varies. They oh, okay. I don't know. Then, then ignore they, my last comment. I was overthinking it, is, it. It actually is fairly similar 
Their last five are home against Brentford, away at, at Wolves, home against Everton, away at West Ham, home against Fulham. So holy shit, that's not a terrible way to end the season. If you're if you are like trying to rally a team and you're like, good, come on, fellas. We need to get our shit together. Our schedule isn't that bad to end the season. That's might preseason, obviously. This is for the record, July 30th. Preseason, that's not a terrible way to end the season. It's not. No, that's right. Wow. Hey, Nate, can I ask a question that um, maybe we should let our fans answer on Twitter or in the comments? Yeah. Is this too echoey in my office? Should I put a rug down? No, no. Okay. Chris was far more echoey. Oh, yeah, he's awful. I hate him so much. (laughs) I can't wait till we – next week, uh, fans, fans, listen up. Next week, set your alarms. This is my favorite episode of the entire season. Because I love predictions. I love talking shit about kits. As the straightest guy on the on the podcast, I'm also the gayest when it comes to uniforms. I love a pretty uniform so much. I will talk about men's clothing when it comes to sports all day. Um, it's my favorite episode of the podcast season. Nate, you want to back best. me up in a, in a slightly different it. way? It's, no, it's my favorite too. It'll be the longest and the best and the most fun. What's your favorite part? The predictions or the kits? Kits. I kits love all day. Kits all day. I like all predictions day. too, but kits for sure. Oh, okay, good. All right. So Nate, um, I think yeah. I'm wrapped. Do you want to, you want to take us down the road? Yeah, let's, let's go down Bramall Lane. Bramall Lane is the host of Sheffield United Football Club out of Sheffield in uh, the north of England. They are kind of nestled between or kind of up by Manchester. So not, not, not too far up there. Um, But Sheffield United founded in 1889. Uh, Their nickname, you'll love this, is the Blades. It's so sick. Their their crest has two like swords on it. It's a great looking crest. Uh, it's a great nickname. My problem with that, my only problem with that is in 2023, I still think of Wesley Snipes in a black leather coat, dude. Mm. Which yeah. what's wrong with that? That's also no, that's rad. It's just is that the is uh, what's their colors? Not black, but that would be sick. <laughs> <laughs> their colors are red and white and black so i guess maybe red and vampire bone white and blood (laughs) red and death black is that their colors that's those i love it love it uh they finished second in the championship last year so they got automatic promotion uh they were founded like many clubs as an offshoot of the sheffield united cricket club and kind of to uh to what chris was talking about earlier um, with kind of the expansion of the first tier of English football, they were the first ever team to win promotion into the into the first tier. And they really have an amazing uh, history. Uh, but most of their their titles are from way in the past. So they won the EFL in 1897-98 season and they're four time FA Cup winners. But the last was in 1925. They're also Go ahead. 
Was the EFL in 1897 the same as uh, the EFL in 2008-2009 that Lutontown won, or is it different? No, this is the, like, this was the top tier at the time. Gotcha. Oh, it was called the English Football League as the all-catching. Gotcha. Yeah, yep. They are one of five teams, again, shout out to Wolves being another one, to have won all four divisions, which is like the most backhanded like compliment because it means that you've also spent time in all four divisions. So they've, they've won it outright league two, league one, the championship and the premier league or whatever the top tier. So a couple of things. That's like the crash Davis compliment, right? Like you're the all time minor league leader in home runs. Secondly, Luton, I think won three of the four and then no kidding. The most embarrassing stat was they were also runners up twice. And I'm like, oh my God, that is so embarrassing. You've only been runners up twice. Mm, yes. Uh, Sheffield United was also a founding member of the Premier League. So they were in, in 1992, they were one of the teams and they were the first team to score a goal. So the first goal scored in the Premier League era was scored by Sheffield United. Uh Chris and I know them because they've been up before they were relegated in the 2020, 2021 season. Uh, they are led. They've got some of the funniest, like most English names on their team. Like they are led by Paul hecking bottom. He's their manager. Hecking bottom. Paul hecking bottom. Hecking bottom. There's too many syllables. There's the American bottom. version of that, he almost sounds like a Mormon who's like, I'm not swearing. And <laughs> hecking bottom. That's right. Oh, hecking bottoms. <laughs> I love it. That's it. That's yes. I'm going to tell my boys, stop, stop swearing. Start saying hecking bottom. Uh, he was a defender for a long time in a lot of the lower leagues. He's been their manager since November, 2021. Um they're on the on the pitch. They are led by a guy named Illiman Ndai. He had 14 goals and 11 assists out of the midfield, which is pretty impressive to have uh, double digits in both. Their struck striker is Oliver McBurney, Ollie McBurney. I think he was also on their team uh, when they were uh, last in the Premier League. Their captain is John Egan. He was also on the team back then. Uh, he's a defender. And their goalkeeper is Wes Fodderingham. Fodderingham, another just thoroughly uh, British last name. Their top addition in this offseason so far is Benny Traore. He's a center forward. Uh, he scored 12 goals and had two assists in the Swedish league. So who knows whether that'll translate or not. But uh, it's still more impressive signings than Wolves have made this offseason. Um, I mentioned Br- Bramall Lane earlier. I'm probably mispronouncing that, but it's Bramall, Bramall, Bramhall, Bramhall, Bramall, Bramall Lane. I don't know. It's the oldest ground in the world. The oldest ground in the world. Hold on, even the Coliseum? It's the oldest football ground in the world. Okay, thank you for the clarification. I don't think they played football at the Coliseum. Maybe with heads. No, they did. They just used Christian's heads. Gotcha. There we go. I should. Yeah. There we go. Was that too much? Did I add too much color? No, your color was better. Like it. My joke would have been 
far superior with all that color. Um, gotcha. Oldest football ground in the world. The first match was played in 1862 there. And they also played the first flood floodlit match there in 1878. So, I don't know what that is. A floodlit? Oh, like floodlights. Oh, floodlights. Oh, oh. oh. Floodlit. It's the past So, tent. okay, when I think of England, I think of it being wet. So, I don't know. I thought it was like a maybe a concept where they had a game where, yes. where there was like the field was wet or something. It was basic. Know. Yeah, it's basically like a hybrid of water polo and soccer where you're yeah, like, like a swampland type you're waist, of thing. You're waist deep. You still can't use your hands. Yeah. You got to nose it in like a seal. <laughs> no, it's more like <laughs> the midsection. So it's oh, like, oh, so you still got to nose it in like a seal. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> Yes. Uh, it it holds uh, 30, almost 32,000 people. So pretty like mid size. Yeah. Yeah. 32,000. You mu- you muted yourself somehow, but your, your uh, mouth was so like uh, clear. I could tell what you were saying. Was that on mute? I went, mute. oh, wow. 32,000 for a championship league team coming up. Oh, wow. And you read me perfectly. I did. But, you know, like these clubs, like I can't remember how many wolves hold, but these clubs that go up and down, they're still built to host like their town. Right. (laughs) I know, but I still have to replace my air conditioner every 10 years. Maybe that stadium will collapse. Who knows how long it's been down. It's the oldest ground in the world. Yeah, I know. Right. Older than the Coliseum. Older than the Coliseum. (laughs) Um, Their colors are red, white, and black as previously mentioned. They are produced. What's, what's interesting about these clubs and probably says something about these clubs is that all three of them, uh, their kits are produced by non-traditional kit makers. Uh, this one is area area. I don't know, but uh, they're the ones seen. who make um, uh, really awkward looking shoes for uh, suburban white dads. I'm surprised you don't own a pair. Ten- <laughs> tennis. I'm not suburban, bro. <laughs> Sorry. That's right. You're central Phoenix. Dude. I am. I'm right in the city, man. Yeah. Yeah. Such a hipster. I know um, you're, you really are cool though. I just want to clarify. <laughs> Um, I'm going to buy some areas anyways. They got, they are, do they make tennis stuff? Actually, now that I'm yes. thinking about it, they make tennis gear. They right? make tennis rackets. They make tennis like clothing. That's like I said, they are <laughs> ugly suburban shoes for suburban dads. Yes. Perfect. Okay. I'll get yeah. myself some of those. Uh, their, their kits are pretty traditional, red, white, and black stripe down the middle stripes down like vertical stripes. Their third is, I don't think it's, I don't know if it's officially announced yet, but it's kind of a, a minimalistic gray. It doesn't seem like they've announced their away yet. Um, you and- know what, you know, it's pissing me off and we're not talking about kits. Never mind. We'll talk about it next week. Mm, yes. We'll save your, your vigor for next week. Uh, they have no sponsor currently, so we will see. Uh, what happens there some interesting facts their rivals are naturally sheffield wednesday which is the other team in sheffield it, and also leeds so they will not have like kind of their two biggest rivals are not in the premier league uh but they are like they have these minor rivalries with forest because I love this. These are like the reasons. This is like what you love. The petty nature. I love that it. Make you so mad. No, this is like serious. This is like real life serious. But the fact that there's still like a rivalry that developed from it. During the 80s, there was a miners strike. 
and uh, Sheffield's a big mining town. Though the Derby with Sheffield Wednesday is called the Steel City Derby, so I assume Sheffield is the Pittsburgh of England. There uh, it is. It's not though. It's more beautiful. It's a really beautiful city. But anyways, so the during the miners' strike of the eighties, the Nottinghamshire workers, which is where Nottingham Forest is, did not strike. They were scabs. Oh, but everyone in Yorkshire up in like Sheffield area participated in the strike. So naturally the fans like hate Nottingham forest, which so uh, there's Nate. Yeah. You know how I'm a man of the people. Yes. And you know how I have oftentimes in the past said nice things about Nottingham forest. Yeah. Strike them from the record. And remind me from now on that they are on my list. Nottingham. I know sins of the father and whatnot, but you have made an enemy today. What year was that? In the 80s. Okay, so I was alive. So technically it was in my lifetime. So fuck you, Nottingham. You remember it well. You remember it well. I I do now. Suddenly, somebody, you brought it back into my memory. And it's always been there. And I've always hated Nottingham. They also have a weird rivalry. And again, I don't know how, how serious these rivalries are, but uh, on Wikipedia, they seemed legit with West Ham because, and this is like probably too deep for this introductory episode, but there was a player called Carlos Tevez. So in this season, I don't remember what season it was, 2000, I think it was the early 2000s, Sheffield got relegated. And one of the teams that I think just finished above them was West Ham. And they, this player, Carlos Tevez, back then, there was something called third-party owners or something like that. TPO, it was called. And essentially, you could have, and it happened a lot in South America, your rights to like your personhood or your professional rights as a player could be owned by like a third party. So like kind of like an agent, but more uh, like less. So did, did you see um, the TV show community? No, not enough. Uh, okay. So subway um, creates a personhood for a person and his name is subway. And he just introduces himself as subway all the time. And everything he ever talks about is about how great Subway is, even when they're talking about Spanish class. Um, Yeah, so that. I guess, but more that like, no, that's like more of a sponsorship. So is is it like indentured servitude that somebody could own your shit? No, it's essentially like someone owns a piece of your revenue for basically forever. So what would happen is if I can paint it in the best light. So the best light you could paint this as some agents out there in Bolivia scouting, find some super poor kid, finds him and says, Hey, you're going to need opportunities. Sign with me. I'm going to get 40% of whatever you make in your lifetime, but I'm going to pay to move you to the capital to get you in this club. And I'm going to nurture you in. It's basically like an investment into a person I, I, I already understand what you're saying so much that I absolutely have to interrupt you. Ready for this? Yeah. I just saw this like documentary thing. Did you ever watch the show Project Runway? Yes. Yes. In yes. the very first season, Harvey Weinstein, who owned the company that made Project Runway, okay. Bravo or whatever. Yeah, I didn't realize that. 
whoever won the first, um, the very first project one runway, the guy turned it down because in the contract, Harvey Weinstein had written in that from here forward, any money you make moving forward, Harvey Weinstein gets 10%. Uh-huh. That means even if you quit fashion and went to work oh. at a gas station no. and made $7.25 an hour, he got 10%. Yeah. That's the exact same thing. And also what's funny is you're talking about like really sicko people preying on kids. This is Harvey Weinstein. So now we're making those guys even worse. I know. God. Okay. I love this analogy even more now somehow. So essentially there was lots of these players in the nineties and the two thousands. Carlos Tevez was one of them um, and a couple others, but the big saga happened with him. West Ham kept Sheffield United down. Sheffield United sued West Ham because it came out that this third party like ownership was not kosher. They banned it from Premier League. There were some contract ir- irregularities where West Ham got fined $5.5 million or pounds probably. Um, and so that was the whole thing. And then West Ham and... Uh, and Sheffield actually settled out of court. So there was, so Sheffield had some case here that their, their relegation was based on having this player who wasn't like appropriately registered or whatever happened. So that's a long, long story of uh, knowing is half the battle um, about a rivalry that maybe isn't that strong, but the more, you know, the more, you know, I got the first one of the season in dude. There it is. Woo! Woo. Even oh, though it's called knowing it's half the battle. But that's oh, fine. god damn it! <laughs> hey, I got the first. I got the first error of the season in two. Yes. yes. Well, we all will have them. Oh. Uh, I also like to talk about the celebrities that support these teams, and there's two important celebrities who support uh, Sheffield United. Damn one, it! I didn't look at this. One oh, is Sean Bean, Boromir, Ned Stark. Yes. He and Flea of Red Hot Chili Peppers. Okay. Those are two celebrities, just random dudes. Those are Sheffield. Well, man, that that's our uh, promoted teams preview. Well, done. I am. I am so excited to see you every week. I, um, I'm in a good spot, dude. I miss good. you so much. Miss you too, man. I'm really excited to meet the new guy. Oh, oh, should we tease the new guy? No, man, that's next week. We'll announce him. He'll be on. Um, he's three foot six. Um, He's not one of my kids. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good one. Yeah. Now, yeah. apparently he actually has some relationship to soccer, right? No? Yeah, his kids are really amazing. They play at a very high level here in the States. So I think uh, right now one of his kids is playing in like the national final competition for maybe U16 or U14. So his team. You know what we should do before next week is you should drop his resume in the common area and then we can reveal how we would have voted if we weren't forced to accept him into the group without it. Yeah. No, Maybe. you don't want to do that? No. All right. He's my nemesis. I don't know why. I just feel like having some controversy. This will be fun. All right. All right, ma'am. Well, we'll see you next week. I'm so excited for Best next episode week. Best of the year. Best of the year. All right, pal. I'll see you soon. I did. Bye.